Good morning and welcome once again. My name is Craig Thompson and I'm one of the pastors here and it is our privilege to have you gathered with us, especially on a special morning when we've celebrated baptism. Uh, Such a wonderful opportunity as we talk about the contagious nature of the gospel. There is certainly no better way for us to uh, describe that than through Christian baptism. It is through that act of baptism that we show the world that we have died and been buried in our Christ, washed of our sins, and raised into a new life. And so we celebrate this morning those five, and I celebrate those who are yet to come. For we are confident that the same God who saved them is the God who is ready and willing to save all who would call upon the name of the Lord. And that includes you uh, today. If you have not made a commitment to Lord Jesus Christ, if he's never saved you from your sin, today can be the day of your salvation. Today can be the day of your salvation. But thank you for being with us this morning. We're going to be in the book of Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Beginning in verse 40, I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's word. And we're going to read just verses 40 through 45. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately... The leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but it was out in desolate places, and the people were coming to him from every quarter. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that we would have the faith of a leper to fall before Jesus, Lord God, and to be cleansed, to be clean, to be whole and new. Lord, I pray the power of the gospel would speak through your word this morning, that you would hide me behind your cross. Father God, that your Holy Spirit would work among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Is your faith contagious? I mean, like... 2018 flu contagious. This flu season has been unlike anything I ever remember. Everybody was terrified, petrified, mortified, whatever fied you could. I have been drinking antibacterial hand stuff. I kid you not, I actually rubbed it in my beard one time because I was just afraid of what could have been. This stuff is, I don't even know if it works. If it's a placebo, that's fine. It's having its effect in my life. There's a giant bottle of it back there. I moved it out from wherever it was. And I've backed off because the flu season seems to have abated. But during the height of the flu season, I was sanitizing my hands in between like every three handshakes back there. If some of you grabbed my hand and it seemed a little greasy, it was. But I was doing it for your protection, but mostly mine, I'm not going to lie. We had a few scares in our house. Those of you with children understand. The child comes home and says, I don't feel good. And we immediately went into Lysol mode. Angela actually used a whole can one time. I went to the... This is how bad the flu season is. We thought that it had hit our house. I don't even remember now which, which child it was. It was like three of them at different times. And then, of course, as parents, we always, as soon as they feel it, you feel it too, right? I mean, I know, I just know I've got it. I've got a headache. You had a headache for 10 days and you didn't notice, but the minute that child has a sniffle and a cough, you are convinced that you are on, you have it. 
You're on your deathbed. You're knocking on death's door. Angela said, honey, go to the store. So being the hero father that I am, I rushed out to the drugstore. I said, I need the masks. I need the Lysol. They said, we have no masks. We have no Lysol. You've got to be kidding me. I got an email that said there was a national shortage of masks. I don't know what we would do if we faced a life or death epidemic. We understand a little bit about contagions. We understand a little bit about it. We worried about the flu, but to be totally honest, the flu was nothing compared to the, the Ebola scare that ran through our world just a few years ago. This mystery disease that was killing every, nearly every person that it touched. We understand something about contagiousness. I'm curious, is the gospel in your life contagious? Is the love of Christ in your life contagious? Do people get around you and get near you and rub up against you and just kind of catch it? Or have you found some way to sanitize yourself from the power of the gospel as it has influence in the lives of others? Y'all, we find ourselves today in the book of Mark, Jesus encountering a man with leprosy. Now, leprosy in the ancient world was nearly a death sentence, depending on what it was. If we turn to Leviticus chapter 13, we find that the word leprosy kind of encompassed a, a, a wide range of ancient diseases. But for the one who would catch actual leprosy as we know it today, it was a death sentence then. Those of you that know a little bit about the disease know that it is a terrible disease. It literally eats the flesh. Fingers and noses fall off as the flesh dies. This man who approached Jesus was a social outcast. He was not allowed to be with his family. He was not allowed to live among his friends. As a matter of fact, when he walked through town, he would even be forced to cover his face and to declare, unclean, unclean, get away from me. Why? Because there was the terror that if these infected people continued to move freely among the people around them, that their leprosy would spread and infect the entire community. This is the man that Jesus encounters right here in Mark chapter 1. The man had leprosy, but yet when Jesus encountered him, the touch of Jesus took away his uncleanness, healed his disease, and restored him to a right relationship with his father and with all those around him. Y'all, we're going to see in just a little while that maybe he shouldn't have said as much as he did, but the reality is when Jesus works in your life, you can't help but let the world know what he's done. The gospel is contagious in our lives. Let's look at a few things first. Is your faith contagious? Now, I, I want us to note just some historical things in this passage. If we're not careful, we can run to a passage of Scripture and only walk away with it the things that, that matter to us. This is the danger of lots of Bible studies. Well, what does it mean to you? It really doesn't matter what it means to you unless that's what it actually meant from the author's words. It's important for us to wrestle with what the original intent. What would those original readers of Mark's gospel, perhaps those people who would have heard Peter. Peter was, was Mark's source in writing this gospel. Those people who would have heard Peter tell this story firsthand. What was it that they walked away with understanding? They understood that Jesus was busy. 
Remember Mark's favorite word throughout his gospel is immediately. We recall that Jesus had just spent some time in prayer and in, and in, and in, in, in meditation alone with the Father, preparing for these days of ministry that laid ahead. He said, I've got to go. Let's go on and preach. Go to the next places that I may preach there also. That's why I came out. And then on his way, the Bible says Jesus is going to do the thing for which he was sent here to do. And on his way, he's confronted by this man with leprosy. Understand he wasn't confronted by just a nice guy that wanted to have a conversation. He was confronted by a man who was consumed with a disease. More than likely, this man had already been to the priest. He'd been to everybody he could find to pursue healing in his life. That was the step that a leper was to take. When leprosy was discovered, they were to go to the priest and they were to try and find cleansing. There was a step, there was a process that went through. If something showed up, the first thing they do is they go show it to the priest. And maybe there's just a little white spot somewhere. They would quarantine them for seven days or so and they'd come back. And if it remained or if it, or if it grew, if it expanded, then it was declared this person has a leprous disease and he needs to be separated from his people. Sounds a lot like the sin in our life, doesn't it? Because the sin in our life serves two terrible purposes. It separates us from relationship with our Heavenly Father and it creates division and separates us in our relationship with the people around us. Leprosy is a very physical representation of the real and actual reality of sin in our lives. So this man had probably been to all the places he could go. Perhaps he was married with children. We don't really know anything about him except this man confronts Jesus on the road. And Jesus was a busy man. Remember, he's been immediately all over the place. He's on his way to do the ministry for which God has sent him to earth. And on his way there, he is confronted by a leper. And in this confrontation, I believe that the Lord shows us what it is that we can do in our lives to have a contagious faith. So let's look at these four things just this morning. But as we look, keep with me in mind, there's a historical context that we cannot lose. We're going to work through that as we work through this passage of Scripture. The first thing that this leper did is he went to the Lord. And a leper came to him imploring him and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. There's a, there's a pleading. There's an eagerness. It appears as though the man literally threw himself at Jesus. Perhaps this leper walked away from all social norms. Maybe he ignored the social norms of his day. And he literally threw himself at the feet of Jesus and grabbed his legs. If you will, you can. The Bible says in Psalm 51, 17, A broken and contrite heart are the sacrifices that, will not, that the Lord will not despise. Do you want to have a faith that is contagious in the Lord? Do you want to have a real, vibrant, active, living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? It begins when you first go to Him. He is ready to receive you today. Will you go to the Lord? What's it look like? The first step is to approach Him. Go to Him. Don't miss the impropriety here. This was a dirty, filthy, unclean man who did not under the law, have the right to approach Jesus. And yet he ignored all social norms and he ran to the Lord. Listen to me. Some of you have shown up in this place today and you say the Lord wouldn't hear me if I came to him today. I am. I'm just thankful that the place didn't burn down when I walked through the doors of the church this morning. If I went to the Lord today, he would turn his back 
Maybe if I can get it all cleaned up, get my act together, then maybe I can go to the Lord and He'll receive me. Can I tell you that with your fingers falling off and the nose missing from your face, you can throw yourself at the feet of Jesus and He will respond. You have done nothing that is so bad that Jesus will not receive you. Will you come today to the Lord? Will you come to the Lord? Will you ignore what the rest of the world tells you? Will you forget about that person who told you you're not good enough for God to love? Will you forget about that person that told you that Jesus couldn't help you? Will you forget about the devil that whispers into your ear that there is no hope to be found there? Will you trust only in Christ? Will you run to Him on the way to the next place He's going and fall on your face before Him and say, Lord God, if you will, you can. Will you go to the Lord today? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And He will not turn anyone away. That is the love of our Savior. Do you want to have a contagious faith? Some people come to me and say, Craig, I want to have, I want to have the kind... And I hear this. Craig, I want to have the kind of faith. I want to be able to talk to people about Jesus. I want to be able to live by faith. I want to trust Him. Y'all, it begins by going to Him. He stands with arms open wide ready to receive you. I love what the old preachers used to say. It's still true today as it was all the way back then. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. There are no favorites in the minds of Jesus. Would you come today and throw yourself around his knees and say, Lord God, if you will. Would you come today? Contagious faith goes to the Lord. The second thing that a person with a contagious faith does is acknowledge their need. Will you acknowledge your need today? Will you be specific? What can God do with a person who has no need? He can do nothing. It's the reason that it's so, so difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said it would be easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Can I remind you, as I have so many times throughout these years, the eye of a needle didn't exist in some weird gate in Jerusalem. It wasn't a place where a camel got down on his knees and crawled through and it was just hard for a camel to get through this special gate called the eye of a needle. That's a really, really good argument created by people who really, really, really wanted to make it possible for you to crawl your way into your salvation. When the reality is Jesus says without God it is impossible, but with God nothing will be impossible. He can even take that person who is unworthy, unwilling, unwilling even to acknowledge their own need, and he can rip out their heart of stone, give them a heart of flesh, convict them of their sin, and they will find themselves on their face before the Lord saying, Lord God, I am helpless, hopeless. I'm a needy beggar coming. Would you give me bread to eat acknowledge your need this man's need was apparent to all around him but he still made it known to Jesus there are some of you here who are here today and all of us sitting in this room know what your need is the only person denying your need is the person in the mirror every single morning would you get real with yourself would you acknowledge that you don't have it all together would you acknowledge that you are broken and sinful and in need of a Savior? Would you take off the mask and allow Jesus to heal you? Would you remove the veil that covers the leprous sores and allow the Lord to touch you in the places where you are ashamed? Would you let Him make you whole? In many ways, Jesus ignored social constructs. The book of Leviticus plainly teaches that lepers were unclean and anyone who touched them was unclean as well. But notice what Jesus did. Hold on to something. This is going to be a little exciting for you. 
You ready? Okay. I mean, really, seriously, pay attention. Jesus touched the man and took on his uncleanness. You see, we talk about Jesus taking on our sin on the cross, but we sometimes miss this. Jesus was filthy when he made it to the cross. Not because of his own sin, but because he took on the sin of the world. He took this man's uncleanness. Why did Jesus touch him? Because Jesus needed to take his uncleanness. Because until Jesus took it from him, he couldn't clothe him in righteousness. We're not done. That's the first part. Here's the second part. Jesus says, go to the priest and show him. And the priest is going to look at him, according to the book of Leviticus. And the priest is going to say, you look pretty clean. Matter of fact, I declare you are clean. Let's lock you up for a little while and make sure. But here's what we're going to do. We need, you ready? We need you to come and offer a sacrifice to the Lord for your cleansing. You're going to bring two lambs and you're going to offer them. You ready? Do you see it? This is pretty obvious. This is where that whole preaching thing gets pretty easy, isn't it? Jesus took his uncleanness and then the sacrifice that that man needed to be made healed, to be healed and made whole. That sacrifice was standing in front of him. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world was his perfect sacrifice. Listen to me today. Will you acknowledge your need to the Lord Jesus Christ? Not only will he take your sin upon his back, he is the sacrifice for your sin. He is the atoning sacrifice, taking away your sin, your shame, your reproach, and giving you robes of righteousness where you can inherit eternal life. He takes away the sin and the shame that have separated you from Him in the world and He gives you a new name, a new hope, a new life. What is your need today? Would you acknowledge it to Him? Would you? I hope I'm not offending Lanny, but Lanny came and sat with me a few weeks ago and he said, you know what? I've been too prideful to admit that I'd been wrong. He said, but God is working in my life and I need to stand in front of everybody and be baptized and say, God saved me. Some of you have allowed your pride to get in the way. Why is God not working in your life? Because you've not come to Him with a broken and contrite heart. You've not come before the Lord and said, Lord God, I need you. Oh, I need you every hour I need you. My one request Thy righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. What's it look like to find, to have, to develop a contagious faith? Go to the Lord. Acknowledge your need. And you ready for this one? Number three, pray with confidence. Go with confidence. What was the confidence that this man had? He had really two hopes in this encounter. First, he had confidence that Jesus could. Can I tell you, he had one other confidence though? He had some degree of expectation that Jesus would. Did you ever go and ask somebody for money if you didn't think somewhere in the bottom of your heart that they might actually do a little bit of something for you? This man went and he threw himself before the Lord and he said, If you will, you can. Understand, nobody goes to somebody and says, if you will, without acknowledging, first of all, that they absolutely can. He had a confidence knowing that Jesus was able. Lord God, I know you're able. Are you willing to heal me today? 
pray with confidence. The Bible says not only that we can have confidence that Jesus is able, we can have confidence that Jesus hears our prayers. Not only does he hear them, he is moved by them. Watch. Uh-oh. Turn my page back over. Sometimes when I get a little excited up here, the pages start flying on my Bible and I got to find my spot. You ready? Moved with pity, literally moved in his bowels. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. Moved with pity. The Bible says Jesus was moved by this man's pleas. And in most of your translations, probably everyone in this room, and in the majority of ancient manuscripts, we read that Jesus was moved with pity or that he had compassion. But watch this. There's a minority reading in the manuscripts that has gained popularity among scholars, evangelical scholars even in recent years, that suggests, based on some of these more ancient manuscripts that Jesus was not moved with pity or compassion, but rather that Jesus was moved with anger. I like those looks I get every once in a while. You ready? Now, regardless of how Jesus responded, what we can know for certain is that he was moved. Was it pity? Was it anger? Why couldn't it be both? What was the anger in Jesus not an anger at this man I'll never forget I still have a vivid memory and I don't know why this one has stuck with me but this one has stuck with me these years I pray it's always there Miss Lisa Parrott one of our uh, saints has gone on to be with the Lord some years back passed away and I'll never forget pulling up at her house after she had died I parked on the road beside her fence. The fence was here. This is how vivid my memory is. So the fence was on the driver's side. Put my truck in park, opened the door. But before I got out, I just stopped. And I was overwhelmed with anger. Anger that death could rob us of so much. Anger that the curse of sin has not yet been removed. Anger that the tears have not yet been wiped away. This Jesus is the one who has borne all of our diseases. That was the promise that was given. One of the promises in Isaiah chapter 55. He's going to bear all of our burdens. Jesus looked at this man and perhaps, just perhaps, he was moved not only with compassion to see that he could be made well, but he was made angry. At the curse of sin and what sin had done to his, to his children. Sometimes, sometimes if we're not careful, we sort of anesthetize Jesus. If we're not careful, we remove many of the emotions of Jesus. Even I. I caught myself reading this week in the scriptures and Jesus was confronting the religious teachers and I recognized that as I had slowed down to read that in my brain, Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees and saying something like, don't you understand? Abraham was, was there and, and I'm before Abraham and before all things I am. And then I go, well, they got mad at Jesus. Why did they get mad? Jesus is the nicest person on the planet. I read Jesus like I'm reading a children's Bible story sometimes. 
Listen, when Jesus confronted the Pharisees, it was rare that Jesus said, now do you look cute out there and I'm so proud of you, but let me help you get some things right. When Jesus looked at them and said, before Abraham was, I am. There was a reason they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him because he had spoken, as we went back all the way in Mark 1 several weeks ago, as one who had authority. He didn't speak like the scribes and religious leaders. He spoke as one who had authority. Why? Because he said to them, you are from this world and you speak as your father the devil does, but I come from somewhere else and I speak the words of my father, the God of heaven. Let's try something. Leave here today and go to the grocery store. Go to checkout. Speak to the person at the checkout counter. And you say, how are you today? And they say, I'm fine. And they say, how are you? And you say, you are from your father, the devil. <laughs> You're from hell. And you are a liar just like he is. Have a good day. Now, that's the way we read Jesus sometimes, Right? Really? So we read Jesus looking at this leper and going, Oh, buddy, I'm so bad. I'm so sorry. You feel bad? I hope it all gets better. You ever dealt with parents who have children who have terrible illnesses and disease? They tend to vacillate between hopelessness and heartbreak and absolute anger. Anger that their children don't get to go out and run and play and enjoy the way that the other children do. And somehow we assume that our Heavenly Father doesn't find Himself angered at the things that handcuff His children and rob Him of relationship with them. But regardless, whether it was compassion, whether it was anger, whether it was both, what we know is this, Jesus cared. The Bible teaches us that the fervent prayer of a right, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Memorize that one in the King James, just for some of you that still like it. Prayer works. Prayer works in all ways. Not only does the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, but the Bible says that Jesus actually cares even for our burden. Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says you can cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Prayer works. But James 1 also teaches us that the prayer that works is the prayer of faith. Approach God's throne with confidence. The leper showed up and boldly affirmed Jesus' ability to heal him. If you will, you can. Not if you can, but if you will. See the great stark difference between the young man who came to Jesus and said, Can you make my son better? And Jesus said, if I can, all things are possible to him who believes. Do you believe? Do you believe that the Lord hears your prayers? Do you believe that he can actually answer your prayers? Do you believe that he can still work miracles? Do you believe he can save your parents? Do you believe he can save your children, your grandchildren, your neighbor? Do you believe he wants to? I do because the Bible teaches me that. It is his desire to save sinners. He came to seek and save that which was lost. We can trust Him. And we can go to Him with bold confidence. How can you pray boldly? Lord, I know you can. Will you? Acknowledge your need. Then acknowledge the power of the one who can meet that need. Go to Him. 
Lord, I'm a needy sinner, but Lord God, I know that you can save, you can help, you can heal. Then finally this morning, show God's work. Now this is where we get into an interesting thing. One of my favorite commentators, um, Hendrickson, says that we see the leper move from incredible faith and dependence into an act of outright sin and rebellion. Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Now again, we actually have, if we go back to verse 43, this emotion of Jesus sternly charged. Now you might glance over that because we see Jesus saying, now listen, don't go do this to anybody, okay? No big deal. If you could just, if you could just chill out, we'd appreciate it. Can, can I just back up and say that's... Well, let's not. It might be. It might be because we don't have enough men teaching our children in children's Sunday school classes and in children's worship and in children's um, vacation Bible school. And ladies are wonderful and thank God for them, but our ladies tend to see the best in all the things around us. And they, 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 they sometimes miss that, that more masculine emotion, that sternness that comes with a voice. Angela's making fun of me to people yesterday because that's what she does. But, but she said, Craig can speak to our children and they just cry. It's true. I don't like it. I'm not always proud. I don't even always understand why they're crying, right? They just cry, especially the girls. I speak and then there are just tears. And I said, what did I do? And she goes, you spoke. I'm like, yeah, I, what did I do? Okay. Literally, Jesus sternly charged. Jesus said, do not go and tell. Now, y'all, I, I don't claim to have a supernatural reading into this outside of just what the Holy Spirit's done in my life. And, and we trust in the power of the Spirit to bring illumination from His Word. But Jesus knows all things. I can't help but wonder if maybe some of the, 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 the anger, that's, that's, this word here carries with it the connotation of anger again, okay? It's there. If perhaps the anger that came from Jesus is Jesus just knows exactly what this guy's going to do. Jesus says, don't, now don't you do this. But he's angry as he's pointing his finger because he knows that when he walks away, that there ain't nothing he can do about it. Why? His leprosy is gone. Can we walk back just a minute? We find Mark's favorite word again. Immediately the leprosy left. Now did you see Jesus slowed down through the entire conversation? There was no immediate in Jesus. Jesus was immediately trying to get somewhere. The leper walked up. Jesus stopped. I got time for you, buddy. We would do well to remember that sometimes the interruptions in our days are ministry opportunities. Sometimes they are interruptions that God sends because we have an opportunity. Some of the reason that we miss some of these ministry opportunities is because we spend way too much time wasting on things that don't matter. And as a result, we don't make enough time for the 10 minutes worth of conversation that we can have with that leper who desperately needs to be cleansed by the Lord. Jesus got up early and went and prayed and then got to work. Jesus didn't waste his time, and because he didn't waste his time, there was still plenty of time in the margins and the edges of his life to minister to the people who had a desperate need. He says, immediately, Mark says, Jesus spoke, and immediately he was made clean. Jesus slowed down until they got time to handle business. Jesus touched him, and he says, I will be clean. 
Folks, this is no Benny Hinn fake miracle. This is the power of the Holy God setting down on a man in desperate need. And God healed him and cleansed him. Do you recognize that the Bible doesn't say he healed him? There's a difference. He could have been healed and still not been restored to a right relationship with the world around him. The Bible says Jesus made him clean. This is exactly what happened when Jesus looks at him. He says, get up, take your bed and walk. So who do you think you are? Jesus says, well, if it makes you feel any better, how about this? Your sins are forgiven. I can do that. How about that? I can forgive sins. And that actually is a bigger deal than making somebody get up and walk. Can I tell you that when Jesus intervenes in your life, he's interested in a whole lot more than your physical healing. He's interested in a whole lot more than your happiness or your position in life. He's interested in making you clean and whole and right with him. So anyway, Jesus speaks and then Jesus charges him. Perhaps Jesus was angry because Jesus knew this man was going to disobey him. This is the only place that I can find in the Bible where we see a man specifically intentionally disobeying the Lord and we have a hard time holding him accountable for his sin. Okay? We do. Because Jesus has just changed his life. We baptize a couple today, and we tell you what happens when God intervenes and saves moms and dads. A family's trajectory is changed. The trajectory of children are changed. God had just intervened and changed this man's life. And Jesus knows that he needs to be out preaching. But he also knows that when this guy leaves, he's going to run his mouth. When he starts running his mouth, Jesus is not going to be able to sneak into town and handle his business. Jesus is going to be a celebrity. And he just really doesn't have time for all that. But the Bible says that's what he did. He went out and he began to talk freely about it. And he spread it. He spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a place. Did this man sin? Who knows? But what we do is this. What we do know is this. No one would have been able to miss God's work in this man's life. Okay? At best, he could have just said, eh, you know, what happened to you? Eh. I mean, Jesus put him in an awkward situation. What am I supposed to say when they ask? Aubrey is bad about this. She is. Listen to Aubrey. You know, don't, don't tell anybody that you got a dollar yesterday. Well, what if they ask? Honey, why would they ask if you got a dollar? Well, who knows? They might. Who? Somebody at church might ask. Why? Well, they just might. What if they just come up to me and say, did you get a dollar yesterday? Honey, if they come up and ask you if you got a dollar yesterday, then you can tell them. What if they just ask some general question, like, did anything good happen to you yesterday? What am I supposed to say? They get this legalism from their mama. It's true. I mean, she will own that. That is not a... That, we, we, we own that. But, you know, we, we kind of wish that we had this exchange between Jesus and this man. Hold on, Jesus. Wait a minute. So you just put my nose back on. Like my ear just grew back and my fingers work. I'm going to go back home. Well, i got to go show myself to the priest. We've been down this road. They're going to say, what in the world happened? What do you want me to say? Eh? I mean, you understand the man, the, the man really is caught between a rock and a hard place. If he doesn't say anything, he robs God of his glory. If he does say something... I have a hard time understanding exactly why Jesus gave this command, but I, well, I do know why. Jesus recognized that if he went and ran his mouth, that, that it was going to change everything. Can I tell you that we might have been a little better off if the man had been quiet? Be real careful that we don't disobey the Lord because we think our plans are better. Okay? 
That's what we can walk away from this with absolute certainty. Because the Bible says that because of this, Jesus had to withdraw to desolate places. Jesus knew what this guy was going to do. He knew he was going to disobey. Now, the good thing is, God hits straight legs with crooked sticks all the time. And it doesn't really matter what this guy did. God can take our mess and make it into to, to a mighty miracle for his, for his good, okay? He can. He works all things together for good for those who love him and call according to his purpose. We know that. But as a result, things had to change. Listen to me. Your plan is not better than Jesus' plan. Now, we don't know for sure, but it kind of looks like instead of going and showing himself to the priest, this guy starts running around town and going, look at me! Look at me! Look what happened! Look, if he'd have gone to the priest and handled his business the way he was supposed to, at the very least, he'd have bought Jesus a few days. But regardless, before we beat up too much on him, let's, take this, let's, let's get this takeaway. When God does a work in you, the world sits up and takes notice. When God does a work in you, the world sits up and takes notice. That's why this baptism is such an important step. That's why this is so important. Because not everybody in this building has the opportunity to run with you every day, to walk alongside you and experience. It's so important because it says to the world, God saved me. God changed me. God has done something incredible in my life. And I want the world to know. But listen to me. If the only way the world knows that God's done a work in your life is because you got wet on a Sunday morning, you're not doing it right. The world should be looking and saying, man, where did that ear come back from? Why are your fingers working right now? Why do you have such joy? Why have you been restored with your spouse? Why do you give money to the church? Does the world know that God's done a work in your life? See, this is kind of where we land today, where we all end up. A contagious faith suggests to me that the world has an idea that God's done something in my life. Now, we don't deny the absolute imperative of verbally communicating the gospel and inviting people to respond. I'm not saying to you that if you trim your hedges right, that people will stop by and go, man, you must love Jesus. Tell me about what God's done in your life. But I am telling you that the people that work most closely with you every single day ought to have an idea that you belong to the Lord. I'll never forget somebody speaking to me one time and I just said, you know, I had no idea he was married. I had no idea. Folks, it should be a, a terrifying husbands if the people that work most close to if somebody has known you for more than a half an hour and they don't know you're married you're doing something wrong okay like I'm, I'm being serious especially if a woman is in your presence for more than a half an hour and she doesn't know you're married you need to ask why she doesn't know how in the world can people walk with us daily and not know that we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ The cool thing about a healing of a leper is that when Jesus made them clean, try as they might, they couldn't hide what God had done. You see, the cleansing of a leper is a really neat 
wonderful, miraculous, outward expression of the work that God does inwardly when he saves a sinner like you and me. You see, with a leper, he takes a rotten body and he gives them new flesh and he makes them whole and new and clean and holy and righteous on the outside. But for you and I, when he takes our sinful heart and he gives us a new one, he takes all the dirt and the filth, the rottenness within us and he cleanses away and he makes it all brand new. How in the world can you hide that from the world around you? Today the invitation is plain and simple. Would you come today and be made whole and righteous? Some of you need to come to the Lord, as I said at the very beginning of this message this morning. Some of you need to come today and be saved. Don't let this day pass. You say, God couldn't save me. I'm here to tell you that you don't know the God I know. He saves to the uttermost. Though we're weak and poor, as we sang, He gives us new life. Some of you today need to come and be saved. Some of you today, you need to come forward this morning and spend some time in prayer. Maybe you'd like me to pray with you. Maybe you say, you know what? I am a follower of Jesus. God saved me, but I'm not sure the world around me has any idea. Maybe today, as a follower of Jesus, you need to come to the Lord. Acknowledge, Lord God, I need a fresh filling from you, Lord God. Lord God, I need to be more obedient, Father. God, I know that you can change me. And then you need to rise today from this place and begin to work out that salvation that God's put in your heart. Whatever it is the Lord may be doing in your life today, as praise team leads us, would you respond? Would you come? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we love you because you first loved us. Lord God, in the work that you do on the outside of a leper, Lord God, you do on the inside for the rest of us. Taking our sin and our shame, washing us white as snow. Would you work today in Jesus' name? Amen. Before you stand, one thing. Some of you, some of you need to hear this today. Some of you are kind of like this leper. You may not have done anything. You may not have done anything to deserve some of the pain and the hurt and the struggle and the heartache. Some of the filth in your life is as a result of the sins of others. Others have hurt you, they've abused you, they've taken you for granted. Others have sinned against you. Can I tell you today that Jesus stands ready to heal those hurts, to wash away the pain that others have inflicted, to remove the scars that others have left, to make you whole. Would you stand today and sing to the Lord and would you come? as he calls.